When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, we're live. Hey, that was pretty good. 134 to 98, the Raptors defeat the Washington Wizards, and that culminates in their first preseason ever as an undefeated team. They go 4-0. Yes, one of those games was against a team from Australia that also didn't have all of their best players either, but hey, they played three NBA teams. They went 3-0. Samson Folk, we're here to talk about it. It is late night. I decided to do a live stream. Usually I just get home from these games. It's like 1230, 1 a.m. I rock up, I quietly record it, and then I upload it. You lot, there's not that many people in here seeing as it is 1230. You come and spend this time with me. I appreciate that. And that's why I'm doing it. Because some people, they do want to watch it live. Maybe something happened that you, or maybe you just want more, right? Maybe you already listened to like Will Lou talk about it. Maybe whoever, you know, maybe you listened to Curly or whatever. But we're here to talk about it. It was a pretty good game. It was really, it was actually really fun. There was a lot of great basketball there. I'll get the the notes out of the way first. Darko comes out after the game. We talk to him. First thing he says, he says Scotty's fine. Scotty, additionally, as I was walking to go talk to Darko in the press room, Scotty's holding the door open for his teammates. He's in street clothes. He's ready to get out of there. And uh, he's high-fiving everyone. He seems like he's in great spirits. What was initially reported as a foot strain um, doesn't seem to be worrying anybody. If it does end up worrying people, uh, that would be a change from the status quo. Also, Jeff Doughton, Moji, Muhammadu Gi, and our, our dear friend, Justice Winslow, uh, they all got waived today. So that means that those guys are not with the Raptors. Uh, Justice Winslow, he got signed today. The, I, the plan seems to be that he's going to rehab and keep doing his work to ramp up with the 905 and then maybe make an appearance with the Raptors, depending on how that goes. He's had a lot of injuries and kind of stuff to deal with. Um, Darko talked about him quite well, uh, saying that he enjoyed the year they spent together in Memphis. He thought that uh, Justice was great. I talked to Eric Curry as well, today, the 905 head coach, and he said that um, that he thought that Justice was like really great, and they're all looking forward to it. Um, Gi and Justice will be down with the 905. The Philadelphia 76ers, the Delaware whatever coats, I can't remember their name, they actually, they traded for Jeff Delton's G League rights at the, you know, the G League draft. So Jeff, if he's playing in the G League, it won't be with the 905. Maybe he gets signed, but uh, the Raptors have a full roster currently with three two-way guys. They have 15 players. This is currently what we're slotted in as. Everything seems set for the regular season, so... Somebody asked how Scotty's doing. Talked to Darko. Darko said he was doing fine. That's the word he used. He was pretty flippant about it. He doesn't seem that worried. But 
this is the live aspect. I don't want to rehash everything. Thank you, everybody, for hopping in. I'm going to bring on my dear friend, Makai Bruce. He wrote, I believe, the quick reaction after this game. He writes for Raptors Republic all the time. We're going to talk about this one. Makai, my dear friend, you're currently muted, but now you're not. It says Samson Stan. We're sucking up right now. I'm fine, though. How you doing, man? What did you think of the game? Uh, pretty fun game for a preseason game. A lot of positive signs. Really, really happy with what happened tonight. Okay, what's the what's the standout performance? Like you watch this game, number one takeaway, you're like this. This was the thing that stuck with me. Standout performance had to be Precious Achua off the bench, and I really liked you know just how poised he seemed on offense. You know he looked really good getting downhill. He was really great on defense. You know protecting the rim. Had a couple possessions guarding Jordan Poole where it was like, man, he's really sliding speed out there. Jordan Poole doesn't really want to go at him. So if you're a precious guy and if you're a guy who wants to see, you know, a bench guy on the Raptors be great, this was the game for you. I asked Precious about that afterwards, and he was like, "It's." he was like, yeah, that's good. I can do that. But he was like, it's no big deal. I've guarded all-stars and MVPs, and, you know, I'm, he's done a really good job. This is something I've been tracking for a long time. Like, the big run-up to Precious getting a bunch of minutes was the fact that he was he was terrible offensively. But his defense was so important to the Raptors in 2021-22 as their smaller five and a switchable five who was the primary defender on guys like Luca, on guys like Giannis, on guys like Jimmy Butler. And he would stick with them. And you're like, oh, what the hell? This seems like really interesting. And then the more you watch him, the more you see he's like the ultimate mover. Our friend T, obviously a very big fan of him for that reason. Um, as far as like the game overall, though, just to kind of for the people who are listening on their walk tomorrow or kind of listening to this to kind of hear what happened in the game, the Raptors, they moved the ball pretty well. They did a good job of kind of navigating a bad Wizards team and a really good job of stopping them from scoring it. In my opinion, this was Scotty's best preseason game. And I think it's because not everything came in transition. And that's something that the Raptors are still having trouble with is. How do we get Pascal the ball, Scotty the ball, OG the ball comfortably in the half court and utilize their skill sets? For tonight, the big thing was that Scotty wasn't on ball that much, but rather roaming off ball as an advantageous finisher. And the ball kept ending up in his hands. Of course, he's not going to make three threes every game. Three for six is a great mark, but he like get him the ball in space and he'll be able to put his head down, drive to the basket. That happened numerous amounts of times. Super impressive. Another because I said last game, it was one of the best defensive games I've seen him play as far as process, even though it's preseason. Another really fantastic game tonight. The Raptors, offensively, they're putting him in a few more big man positions, not just saying isolate. Of course, he can do it and did do it. And as far as um, as far as the defense, he's being, being put in those more prototypical prototypical big man positions which are way friendlier to his style of defense just to answer a question currently on the right uh for me why didn't i ask darko about jeff delton and why he got uh no playing time i because i thought that jeff delton it was a like a foregone conclusion that jeff wasn't going to be uh, on the team he got waived i talked to precious i walked out of the room and like three minutes later you know i i get the news that Jeff has been waived. So it it's uh it wasn't really something that we were supposed to ask about, especially since the the writing was on the wall. Um I'm just mostly disappointed. Like obviously they're not going to cut Jeff tomorrow. 
so that he gets a $900,000 guarantee and gets waived. That's like a lot to give. But for example, when Yuta Watanabe outplayed his two-way contract or played to the fruition of his two-way, played the 50 or 55 games that it was that season, and they signed him through the rest of the season, Yuta gets to take home an extra 330 grand at that point. And Jeff would have been able to take home a comparable number that also would have been meaningful for his rehab through the summer when he had to get surgery. But what happened was he didn't have his two-way converted, even though the Raptors were in a position to, he definitely was better than Will Barton at that point. Mm -hmm. Will Barton got brought on. Jeff Doughton had better minutes than Will Barton, objectively. And as far as Doughton this season, it was like a no-liability contract as well. So he was a guy who stuck around with the team for like months and months and months. And he didn't get any of those like little nice salary cap deal kickbacks it's like okay you let it guarantee to this point so the guy who um didn't do this uh didn't get to be position. um jeff Doughton not good enough get over it this is not about jeff being good enough this is about humanity i like jeff is an nba level guard i think i'm not i'm not saying like oh no the raptors won't succeed i'm saying this billion dollar corporation could have kicked a guy trying to make it on the outskirts of the league a bit more money under a salary cap and not sniffed any problems. And I'm saying that's what's the problem. Mm -hmm. This is a Raptors team that has in the past done this for other people. So this isn't like, oh, Jeff, Jeff Doughton's the best. It's like, no, Jeff Doughton's a human being who played to the fruition of his two-way contract, gave a lot to a Raptors season, and got underpaid for it. If you play like 50 games for an NBA team, and Jeff did, then yes, you deserve more than like a two-way contract in pay. But that's what I'm complaining about. Jeff, I think, is an NBA-level guard. But this isn't me advocating for his impact, just that he was with the team for a long time. And usually players who are with the team for that long get a larger sum of money and protection from injury and all that kind of stuff. Um, that's what I'm complaining about. This isn't me saying Jeff is going to radically change the guard rotation. And he won't because he's not here. Regardless, Kai, any thoughts on Scotty's position as being used more often as a big on defense and then just as a finisher on offense tonight. Yeah, I think Darko is doing a really good job of just simplifying his role on defense, not making him go out to the perimeter as much. And Scotty, you know, he's always been better when he's guarding bigger guys and, you know, playing close to the rim on defense. So I think that with him, you know, with his wingspan, just with his size, it always made sense for him to play there more. And I feel like in the past, Nurse was just really trying to force the kind of, oh, he can guard one through five. He's one of the best defenders in the NBA. Like, he really wanted to force the versatility. And I think it's better to have a guy be really strong in one place than, you know, try and force him to be kind of okay like multiple places. So I think Darko's doing a really good job there. And him and being to, a play to be honest, though, Darko said, even tonight, he said Scotty can guard one through five. It's not true, but he – and Scotty hasn't been guarding, like – he hasn't been guarding up on the perimeter very often in this scheme, which I appreciate and obviously is intentional from Darko and the staff. But he's mm -hmm. still just like off the cuff was like, yeah, you can guard one through five tonight, which five. it's like a buzzword now. It's like, yeah, he's great. One through five. Yeah, 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 exactly. I don't think there's a single one through five defender in the NBA. Like you're telling me there's a guy who can go up against Jokic and De'Aaron Fox. Give me a break. Yeah. I, I don't think it exists. But um, I kind of want to talk about get your opinion on the wing initiation. You've watched like all the preseason games so far, 
um, to get a fresh perspective on what you think here, we have Pascal, OG, Scotty. There's possessions, initiation possessions in the half court that they're sharing, that they're also trying to like get a feel for how to use. What have you thought about that so far? Yeah, I've thought that at times it seems like Pascal should probably have the ball a little bit more. And I think that, you know, it's really nice to have so many options, but I think the offense is probably going to look the best at Pascal, not to the degree that he had it last year and to the degree that he was being used, like, under nurse. But I think that he should definitely have the ball, you know, just, just a teeny bit more. And I think that the other guys are going to benefit from him having the ball a teeny bit more. So when it comes to wing initiation, I think that moving forward, it should be kind of, you know, solidified that Pascal is the guy who's going to set the table. I'm not saying every possession, but I'm saying like for the majority of his other possessions, for key possessions, it should probably be Pascal. Yeah. I, I, I'm really interested to see how they utilize OG. And this is what I talked to OG about. Basically anytime I talk to OG is like, you know, he does want more possessions and that's fine. I know OG resents that stuff has gotten out and he doesn't like being the center of this kind of stuff, but OG does want more possessions. He is eyeing a bigger payday and he wants, you know, some creation, some on-ball chops to be part of that payday. Um, he's constantly being positioned off ball as a guy who by all means is being used as like a shooter to just provide spacing for others. And he does want more things to do every once in a while. They toss him like an early work post up or they give him an empty side pick and roll with a big, like he had a couple nice drives out of that today. But he hasn't been able to, you know, get a whole bunch of possessions to do a whole bunch of work consistently. And that's not saying he can't. That's not saying it won't happen. Just that we haven't really seen it th consistently throughout preseason. And like Darko said, preseason doesn't matter. You know, Savannah Hamilton asked him, like, hey, what does it mean to go undefeated in preseason? He says nothing. Like, I, I don't care. I just want to see process. And the process... It doesn't leave people wanting, I should say. It's just that you haven't seen X or Y yet. That's that's kind of what we're talking about. So I'm really interested to see how they're able to manage, not egos necessarily, but being able to take care of everybody's skill set, put them in the best positions to succeed, and then also being able to kind of build the best offense they can, which it's Darko, it's new. But a lot of the skill sets on the roster are very similar to last season and the year before, which were, as far as half-court offenses, quite bad. The good thing about, you know, the half-court offense being bad is that the Raptors historically get out in transition a lot with this team. Um, Scotty Barnes has been just like an absolute terror. And the Raptors had one of the worst half-court offenses in the league last season. They were bottom five, but they finished 12th in offensive rating and... A lot of that is just making huge leaps in the transition frequency. And then also, you know, transition buckets are very efficient relative to the half court. Let's Absolutely. talk about Precious. Precious, unbelievable, I thought. You know, we talked about the introduction, sticking with Poole. He comes into the game. He blows up a pick and roll lob as the dropper that Jakob Pertl didn't. They threw a lob to Gafford early in the game, the exact same play, the exact same design, same guys filling the corners. And the difference is Precious backpedals, plays the middle well enough and gets back to blow it up. Then he steps out on Jordan Poole and then he rolls in the lane for a bucket. And he also comes off of like a dribble handoff and turns the corner like a guard, except he's 6'9". Like, what did you think about his performance? 
Yeah, when Precious first came in the game, I was just kind of blown back because he was injured before, so I didn't, I wasn't expecting him to go, you know, go too crazy. But I think that he played really well on both ends, and I think that if he can just maintain at least this level of defense and just not kind of just go kind of crazy on offense sometimes, because really with him, it's always been like if he just takes his time and just does the more traditional big man stuff, let other people set the table for him, things usually go well. But it's really when he tries to, like, you know, go too crazy, take guys off the dribble sometimes. I just think that if he works within the offense, you know, this year, shows more poise, shows just more patience, it can really work. But defensively, I've always been a big Precious fan defensively, and I just I think he's really great on that. I think he's one of the best defenders in the NBA. But offensively, I just need to see the patience that he showed tonight. Yeah, talking to him today, I still have to get, like, a nice one-on-one sit-down with him. I watched all of his cuts from last season. I kind of want to identify what he looks for in those positions. He's a really great cutter, just as a fun stat. Like, as far as points per chance on cuts, he was 93rd in the NBA last season. And his finishing has just risen to a really impressive level. You know, even even tonight, like, we see left-handed finishes really easy for him. He's finishing through contact. He finishes at speeds that most, like, bigs can't get to. And using different footwork that a lot of bigs can't use while on the move. And he said tonight, like, I'm driving the basketball to the rim is one of the best things I do offensively. And, like, that's unequivocally true. That's something he has an unbelievable knack for and, like, the athletic talent to transport himself to spaces that a lot of other players can't get that quickly or that on balance. And I really do wonder, again, this is balancing so many different guys. If you have a team with Scotty Barnes, with Pascal Siakam, with OG Ananobi, with Precious Achua, there's a lot of size there. There's a lot of finishing talent there, and there's a lot of middling three-point shots. And all of these guys, you have to try and maximize their ability to get downhill, get them the ball without making them dribble past the screen, get them on the run, get them moving towards the basket and let them figure it out. It's super impressive the way these guys move. I just wonder how you make all these guys do these things at the same time. And Precious, I love his development. I, I really think now... Guys can have all-star potential and never make it. This is why professional scouts talk in terms of percentile outcomes. Like this guy, maybe an 80th to 90th percentile outcome is like all NBA. This guy, you know, his 60th percentile outcome is like all-star. These are guys who have really high floors. Precious, somewhere in his percentile is like all-star status. And I wonder Mm -hmm. someday if he's able to get there. And if he does, it unequivocally, it includes, of course, a really strong driving game. The defense is like a bedrock that he can work from really efficiently, I think. But the offense is tantalizing in a lot of different ways. Um, the other front court guy who got more minutes tonight, Jakob, eight points, nine boards. They run more high post stuff through him. Not a lot of high post stuff works, but he screens really well for Dennis. What did you think about his performance? Yeah, I thought Jakob played pretty well tonight. He had a lot of great you know, floaters in the lane. And I feel like he's a really good kind of release valve for the offense. Like, if things kind of stall up in the paint and they got a lot of bodies in the paint, Dennis a couple of times just threw it right to him in a, in a restricted area. He just turned over, you know, with a couple of hook shots, a couple of floaters. So I really like that. And like you said before, he's a really good screener. So I think his screen work is really great. But defensively, I just like having a traditional big man just with a lot of size there. I like having a guy who can just rebound the ball pretty well. They get like nine rebounds tonight. And that's, you know, really useful for a team that likes to get out in transition. So it's great that he can just get the ball, push the ball forward, 
and I think I think he had a pretty good game tonight. He he offers like a really nice home, like you said, just a, a hub to kind of reset. If the Raptors feel like something's not really going that well, they just toss it into him and work themselves into a couple handoff sets or like a pick and roll. And he's always able to carve out like a good situation for people. He's always able to give room. And they've also done a pretty good job of using him as a disguise screener for some of these plays. Like, you know, you throw it into him, he reverses the play, you put a guy on ball, and it looks like he's setting a pin in, but he comes up for any like instead and starts setting a screen. And the Raptors, they have to use like more disguised screens to get teams to go over. If if a guy always knows when a screen is coming, he'll always know to go under where it's easier to switch and like prep for that by getting your other defender to the level of the screen or a bit higher. But if you can disguise some of these screens, you can get guys climbing screens and you can get some of these really talented drivers going downhill more often. Um, for anybody who's wondering, the Raptors, this was their best half-court performance of the... Um, as far as like the preseason, this was their best half court performance. I think it was 98 points per possession per hundred possessions. And I think against Chicago, it was like 0.76, which is really bad against Cairns. It, I don't care what it was against Cairns, to be quite honest with you. It's an NBL team. And then against um, in the opener, I think it was like 96 or something like that. So not blowing anybody away but we're seeing good things done in the half court and they're doing with it without a bunch of shooting. I even liked there's this one possession, right? Where you have precious is the screener. You have Scotty on ball and then you have Grady and Jalen in the corner and Grady sets a pin in for Jalen. And I think that's different than how a lot of people think that would have went. You probably expect Jalen to be setting the pin in for Grady, but Scotty kind of comes up over the top of the screen they go under, there's not a lot happening, and he just shifts because he's such a talented passer, like live dribble with the left hand to the corner. Jalen McDaniels hits the three, and it's like, wow, this is like this is just nice, easy offense. And if these guys can hit from these spots on the floor, then there's like a lot of stuff you can do, and it can look really interesting with Scotty making decisions above the break. But uh, somebody who made a, like a lot of great decisions and did so quietly as he's been doing over the course of the preseason, Dennis Schroeder had... 11 assists like he shot two of eight from the floor Jordan Poole shot one of 15 this wasn't a night for point guards to shoot the ball well but 11 assists did that sneak up on you at all absolutely when I was I was I watched the entire game and I'm like all right Dennis is not having such a hot night and he checked the stat line and it's like wow he's a nine assists right now like that's crazy but then it's like the pass that he was making just really just simple passes guys just knocking down shots and guys for nice transition layups. Like, he was just just a lot of energy on the floor, really moving around the court really well and just kind of feeding everybody. So he did a really good job there. Yeah. Uh, there's a, a commenter here who says, why do Raptor fans not like Malachi Flynn? Samson is their narrative going on here. It's important to note that there's narrative attached to, like, everything that happens. Like, narrative is how we communicate as humans. Um, a lot of us will do our best to try and, like, excise that and discuss things without it. But as far as Flynn, he isn't the underdog guard on the roster. So there's not like that inherent, like I'm cheering for the underdog thing. He and the Raptors, like even when Fred was there, they had one first round pick guard and it was Malachi. And the Raptors just have like this glut of guys like Javon Freeman, Liberty, Ron Harper, Jr. David Johnson, Marquise Noel, you have a guy like, obviously, Grady Dick comes in, but he's not a point guard. You have a guy like Jeff Delton Jr. 
all these like guys that uh, fans can really latch onto. Like, I hope they make it. I hope something happens here. And then Flynn is a guy who quietly over the past year and did has done so in this tonight's game and over the course of the preseason, except for the 0 for 7 game, shot the ball pretty well, especially from a catch and shoot position. He has put on five to seven pounds of muscle um, to try and be able to navigate like the more contested areas of the court a little bit better to get over screens a little bit easier so that he can perform better defensively. He's been pretty rough defensively since coming into the league, which was different than people expected because he was defensive player of the year in his conference in his final season in college. And it's just a, a testament to how the game changes at the, the collegiate level. But I just think like Malachi, what he does well wasn't accentuated immediately once you know he came onto the team he had a tough time getting minutes under nurse he didn't elevate his game the same way that a lot of first round guards do even even at the back end and he got stuck in like tough situations and then when he played the defense was lacking not every time did the did the shots go down and he got put in a position where he was on a team that was happier to put another forward in the game than they were to try and like a good forward, somebody they trusted like Thad Young or Chris Boucher, than they were to see a guy like Malachi come in and see what happens. It also didn't help that Malachi didn't have a pick and roll big to play with. Like you can't buoy those lineups by having Malachi run like a bunch of pick and roll and make these reads out to the corner like we saw him do tonight. You're just having him spot up around these wings who are trying to create a lot of times in isolation, bring a double over, start that side top side action as passers. It just wasn't like a perfect fit. And he wasn't like the natural underdog in that rotation of guards, which a lot of rotations of guards, he might be as like that, a late first round pick, but he's surrounded by guys who are, you know, like G league players. He's surrounded by guys who are like second round picks. He's surrounded by all that kind of stuff. What happens with Flynn? He's going to get a shot at it. He's the guy getting 4 million. He's the guy with the guaranteed contract. He's the guy who can shoot. We've seen him shoot the three ball well. And he's a guy who has put on a lot of muscle, and you can tell, to try and battle through a season at the guard position. And he's made some decent reads. He's going to have a shot at it. Now, does he make it? Is it going to be compelling? I can't say for sure if it will be. But he's getting a shot at it. Tell me where you stand on Mr. Malachi Flynn. I mean... Yeah, Malachi, he can shoot. He definitely can shoot, but I just don't think that he's like super outstanding at anything to where it's like, wow, we really like have to play this guy. Like, I really want to see this guy play. And I just think that, like, like you said before, he wasn't like thrown into the best situation. He wasn't thrown into a situation where he had a guy like Yaka Pertle for his whole career where he could just, you know, run pick and rolls with him. And he wasn't on a team that just he wasn't on a team that was just so starving for point guard minutes that it was just like, wow, we really need to get this guy in. He was on a team where there was a lot of forward talent. There was a lot of like wonky lineups they could run. So I do think that he did come into the, the league with a, a not so ideal situation. But at the same time, I would say he's under he's underperformed because there has been a lot of nights where the shots have fallen. He hasn't been the best defensively, which is, you know, obviously known. So, as far as Malachi Flynn, I hope he succeeds. Of course, I'm rooting for him. I'm rooting for everybody in the NBA. But I just – I wouldn't be surprised if they decide after this season, like, we're not seeing it from Malachi. Maybe you would like to move in a different direction. But I do think it's definitely going to get a fair shot under Darko. 
Yeah. The the big thing is that like Malachi hasn't done as far as his performance hasn't been undeniable to demand minutes and like to just snatch that rotation spot. Exactly. He hasn't done that. But additionally, the team has offered him very little help. Like their first shot at playing him was not with any pick and roll bigs. When he came onto the team, they're playing like Aaron Baines and Kim Birch. And I, I know people really loved the idea of Baines before the season started. And they liked Kim Birch's like 15 game run after the Raptors picked him up off waivers. But Malachi was put in a position where he was like a bench guard who had to come in and create a shot repeatedly. And then they kind of moved him off ball and said, okay, well, you're going to play like up a position kind of, and you're going to be a shooter. But that meant he struggled a bunch defensively because they, it was just, they couldn't get away with Fred and Malachi. And then if you're putting Malachi out there, Pascal is going to be on the floor and you're not going to take away Pascal possessions for Malachi. And so all that kind of stuff didn't do him favors, but he also wasn't undeniable to take those minutes anyway. And the big thing here is that like DJ Augustine, the Raptors cut him. He didn't make the roster and he ended up hitting like a game winner over them in the playoffs, right? Before the Raptors went on to win the chip. Cameron Payne is another guy that the Raptors cut at the guard position who went on to play like a ton of meaningful playoff rotation minutes. The talent level for guards is so high. It's so demanding in the NBA, especially for small guards that it's like the team has to really help you in your minutes, both defensively and by kind of working itself to what you're talented at on offense, that if they don't, it's really hard to break through. And Malachi is a really good example of how hard it is, even as a talented guard, to break through into the NBA. And so is Jeff Delton to a lesser degree, right? And we're going to see the same thing with Marquise Noel, who he's got a lot of moving parts in his jump shot. It's not like Malachi's, but he's like a wizard in the pick and roll. And he's really great at finding unique passing angles. But overcoming that size to play that position that keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And those guys have just as much talent. It's a big ask. And so we'll see what happens with Malachi. He's a, even if it's not with the Raptors, I think he's a perfect example, a perfect candidate for another team to say, I think we could take a crack at that guy and see what happens. Mm -hmm. But obviously best case scenario is that Malachi is like perfect on the Raptors and finds like a really nice role in the second unit and helps them manage a lot of what they were trying to do. Um, another member of the backcourt, his first good shooting game as a Raptor. Grady Dick, he did the the Dennis celebration, the Frozen 3. Or, I don't know what Dennis calls it. Regardless, he shot 4 or 5 from downtown. Darko said he started making bad decisions when he got tired. He could tell Grady the same way he did at Summer League, the same way he has in the other preseason games. When there's too much dip on the chip, maybe too many dribbles, a lot of times he'll end up doing a jump pass, turning the ball over because he's getting that pressure. But as far as a shooter, what did you make of Grady tonight? You know, I would say that Dick was stroking tonight and I was really, <laughs> and I just really like, you know, the quick decisions he was making. He had a really nice, like, cause you know, outside of the shooting, it's really, you know, encouraging to see how fast he can like make decisions off the dribble. Sometimes he gets the ball, a little shot fake. He had a really nice baseline pass. The shot didn't go down, but I really like the process. But as far as the shooter goes, we all knew that he could shoot, you know, coming into the league. So it's just really nice and encouraging to see him. Because he never wavered with his shot. He was never, like, really discouraged by the missing. He was just getting them up as soon as it, you know, reached his hand. So it was really encouraging. So if I don't see a couple of those shots go down. And I think that 
off the bench this season, his shooting is going to be really integral to, you know, him finding a lane to minutes and also him kind of not turning the ball over a bunch. And just defensively, if he can just kind of, you know, hold it down and not be a guy that teams, you know, automatically like go hunt after, I think that's going to be his pathway to a lot of minutes this year. I think there's a lot of potential here, obviously. Like we haven't seen him shoot the ball well until this game. It doesn't mean he's not a great shooter. Like he, he was very well recommended by all scouts, all people who watched him, other players that like Grady shoots the hell out of the ball just because he doesn't shoot it very well over four games in summer league and three games in the preseason. It's basically a seven game stretch is basically meaningless. Um, Mm -hmm. We were kind of waiting for the other shoe to drop. Like, okay, some shots are going to, we're going to see something go down. And tonight we did two of them out of the corner where he was strangely not very efficient when he was with Kansas. Some guys, and you know what? That's fine because the Raptors need more above the break shooters. They have a bunch of guys who can slip into the corner and make shots. One of them, hopefully Jalen McDaniels. He is a guy who has added, he compounds a lot of the Raptors strengths defensively by adding his length there and being a willing uh gambler not so much above the break but on the baselines for example um he's very good at hunting down passes to the corner i think i've seen him tip like seven of them just in the preseason and he's done a pretty good job of slipping into space around the bucket to support you know little handoffs and drives and as far as like just spacing beyond the three-point line i know tonight it's like two for four if he goes two for four in any game this season, you're like, yes, perfect Jalen McDaniels shooting game. Two for four is great. He seems to have put himself in a position where the Raptors will be very hard pressed to not include him in a regular season rotation. Um, where do you stand on Jalen McDaniels? Yeah, I really like the addition of him. I think he's been a really good wing defender. He just flies all over the court. He got his he you know he got his hands and everything like you said. Really good at tipping passes, really good, you know, eye and nose with the ball. And I just really like him being a, you know, off the bench option to kind of guard some of those good other bench options on, on other teams and at times guard some of the starters on other teams. So I think he's a really great defender to have off your bench. And he really works well with the system. There was a play earlier where he was just switching around, you know, effortlessly, closing out really well. So I think he's a really, really strong defender. And as far as offensively goes, I think, like you said, if he hits two out of four threes in a game, you're going to be like, wow, that was a really good game from Jalen McDaniels. He's really not going to be a creator, obviously, but if he can just space the floor pretty well, not turn the ball over, and just keep bringing that same, you know, defensive impact, I think he can be a really strong candidate to be a part of the bench mob this year. I just, I'm very impressed so far with the Raptors. Um, the buy-in. Now, of course, when it's, easy to kind of like hop on and say, Hey, we're going to do this. You're playing like Sacramento's defense. You're playing Washington's defense. And then you're playing, you know, Cairns. Like you're not facing a whole bunch of defensive resistance, but, and they, and they did struggle to score for the most part against the bulls. You just need to see these things when push comes to shove, if they maintain that energy if they maintain the like they had what like 34 or 36 assists in this game they've been close to 30 or above in almost every single preseason game they found their way to offense they've run out in transition and maybe most importantly scotty you know somebody mentioned that um scotty was the preseason mvp in the comments scotty was awesome 
like it was a, too bad that he like made that like quick little step and it seemed like he sprained his foot that was the initial report and then Darko said he's fine so but he was awesome tonight and he he did it in a few different ways this is kind of the the aspect of Scotty that makes him you know really interesting going forward is like how does he develop because there's a lot of different ways it can go there's a lot of things he can lean into and to see a guy you know on some nights command the offense like strictly through the transition and a guy who at times found success in the half court. And then when Jakob isn't there slides into like a post hub role and like a roller in the pick and roll and a guy on this night, like working a little bit in the pick and roll. Yes. But also as like this wing finisher who hits threes slides into the lane, pushes in transition. He's like, he's wearing a lot of hats. We have a comment that says Scotty's cardio seems to have improved. I talked about this before. It's nuts, man. Usually players are just kind of saying whatever at the end of the season. I talked to Scotty at the end of the season. Guess what he says? I need my cardio to improve. He comes back media day, like four months later. He's like, yeah, I worked on improving my cardio. I was like, no way. Was that actually what you meant? I couldn't believe it. And then here we go. You know, he says what he means, I guess, because yeah, he's pushing the ball a lot. He has energy for like every single play out there. Um, it impresses me a bunch. Also, a quick shout out to everybody listening. 93 people at 1 a.m. I love that. That's like Sheesh. unbelievable to see. That's you that's really, really cool. You're really famous. No, no. It's just people love Raptors basketball. That's what it is. The Raptors are uniting this, this uh, viewership. And like, I'm the same way. I stay up late. And if somebody I liked was talking about some hoops or whatever, I'd pop in too. So thank you to everybody for listening. Uh, feel free to like the video uh that's good also i saw my friend noel ito i knew him back in saskatoon he's a wonderful hooper he played uh some college basketball he was 510 with a 69 wingspan he could throw down like crazy i saw Jeez. he was in the chat as well as well as our, our dear friend josh codanera um we're gonna take some i get oh yeah only 10 p.m on the west coast hey man don't don't harsh the vibe come on now we're trying to <laughs> we're trying to big up ourselves we're trying to have some fun with this um, I'm going to get some, some comments from the, uh, I guess the, the comment section so that we can, um, talk about it and go back and forth. So we have one here. This is an interesting one. No Gary and scored 130 held opponent under 100 points. Second time in preseason means nothing though, but a nice thought. I got to ask you, Gary, does it mean anything to you, Kai, that he wasn't around and the Raptors still found shooting or are you kind of like it was the wizards? I mean, I'm not going to put a whole lot of stock into the preseason game versus the Wizards, and I'm not going to sit here and try and bash Gary like Nabil would, like, would love us to do. But I'm not I'm not going to do that. I don't think it means a lot. I think that – I think Gary is a really important part of this team, and I think that tonight was just a, gr a great night for Toronto. And there's going to be nights like that in the NBA. Like, these are the best players in the world. There's going to be nights where it's like, wow, they're like, wow, they're really, they're really cooking. So I think – I don't think – I don't think it means a lot. Yeah. Okay. So we have an opportunity here for since uh, it's mostly been Trey and I talking back and forth and asking each other, like, hey, do you have any predictions? Since we have you here, you write for Raptors Republic. You do like you cover the team. You understand a lot about them. I want some predictions, man. How many wins are they getting this season? I, I, I really want to know. Damn. If I had to predict wins, I would say like 40. 40? Yeah. What was your prediction for wins? 
I see. I was a coward, man. I gave a range. I said like, I was like anywhere from 40 to 46. I'm like over the moon. If they mm-hmm. play, if they play 500 or above, that's awesome. I see people say 47, 50 wins, 43. I've seen a lot of people say 50. When I was on the Raptor show, not yesterday, but two days, two ago, days ago when we were doing the the deep dive on Scotty. I also, since Blake is really great, like pulling up the stat queries, I said, hey, go check, you know, how many teams have won like while shooting poorly. And the Raptors of last season, uh, basically no teams shoot as bad as the Raptors did last season, 33.5% from three and mm-hmm. win 41 games. They some like the Raptors beat the odds an incredible amount to get to 41. And the only teams over the past 10 years to basically get over 45 wins without shooting as a team above 35% from the four. And the Raptors were still a ways away from that last year had prime Westbrook prime Harden or prime LeBron James. These Raptors tonight is a good tonight is a good like thing to see them shoot from like a few different positions on the floor. These Raptors can do a lot of things, but if they just shoot the ball well, like 16 to 40, 40%, that's high volume. That's high percentage. They're not going to do that every night, but they can play as much transition as they want. They can play as good a defense as they want. They have to get improvements from several players on these catch and shoot looks, and they need a guy or two to perform like quite nicely on the pull-up stuff. And if they get that stuff to happen, I think the defense is there in place. Mm-hmm. Then then we can talk about 45. I got to see this team shoot first, though, man. Like that's <laughs> – I got to see this team shoot first. Because um, that was when I was talking about this on the Raptors show, and I say, well, if the Raptors can shoot, and William Lou is like, if? Like what do you mean? Like <laughs> this team cannot shoot. I hope they do, man. And I know people no, are like, hope for the people, best. like, yeah, I know people are like Grady Dick, but also, you know, it's hard to put expectations on a rookie to help lift up the team, especially to begin the season. Now, I mean, we're all, we're all over the moon. If Grady is like really early impact player, it doesn't usually happen for rookies, even lottery players, even like top five picks. But if Grady mm-hmm. is that guy who just pops into the lineup and is like, Hey, I'm here and I'm good. And I'm not getting because he did get targeted on defense a little bit in this game and he doesn't get killed on defense and he just cans triples and makes like those great progressive reads as an off ball guy and is tapping out a bunch of rebounds, like always has a good nose for the ball. Then like, hell yeah, but you can't guarantee that's going to happen. Something he struggled with at summer league in the preseason and even with assistant coaches and scouts as they kind of like bullied him in his, um, draft workouts is like that physicality was tough for him to work through we'll see i'm a huge like grady i had top five like as a top five prospect in the draft the raptors getting him i was over the moon you heard our dear friend trey yell messiah's back like he's at the (laughs) top of his lungs he screamed it um here's a fun one scotty stats prediction and then we'll i think we'll get out of here kai i've taken up enough of your time a scotty stats prediction where are you on scotty Scotty full season stats prediction. I got to say, with Fred being gone and there being a lot more possessions for him, I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say he gets to twenty this year. I'm gonna that would say be awesome. Twenty points, six rebounds, and I'll go six assists. 
26 and 6? We have somebody who says 25, 7, and 7. I tell you what, if he gives MKLP 82, what you bring this up to me. If he goes 25, 7, and 7, I owe you money. Maybe it's like 15 bucks something. He gets to 25. 7 and 7? That would be gnarly, dude. That would be like an insane season. There's that's like all star numbers. Oh, that's yeah, well into the all star range. I think that would be just like tremendous. Um, but I think my I said like between 18 19 points, um, like seven or eight rebounds, and then I think he goes north of like five and a half assists. I don't know if he gets to six because there are extra possessions, but some of those extra positions have to go to more scoring, and some of those extra possessions have to go to assists. If like he's not going to be a heliocentric player, even in the preseason, we saw that it wasn't like Scotty is just like has the ball all the time now. He's a reactive player still. He wasn't initiating a ton of plays. He's working off of other guys, so his shot volume is a little bit dependent on other guys getting him the ball, and also like some of his assists is dependent on how often they're getting out in transition. Um, mm-hmm. If Scotty's twenty-five, seven and seven, this team doesn't have to worry about shooting the three that well. They're like they're if he's 25, 7, and 7, some great things are happening. That would be Real. but that's like that's sports, right? You want to hope on these players. Jordan Poole can go for 41 in a preseason, and then everyone's like, Oh my god, look at this guy. Like they're like, We traded Chris Paul's like husk for this guy. That's incredible. <laughs> and then you throw OG on him, and that was that was Darko's response after the game when we talked to him. Was like, Hey, Jordan Poole shot one for 15. He says, OG Ananobi, two words, baby. And he's right, man. Not everyone's right. uh not everyone's uh matchup proof. And if Scotty goes 25, 7, and 7, I think he would be matchup proof, man. That's I like dreaming on big numbers. That's the whole thing. If Pascal went 25, 7, and 7, I'd eat my hat too. But they're, they're gonna like combined, their numbers are gonna be pretty nutty from the uh from the wing. But yeah. Uh, this this hasn't been super insightful for me. I'm basically just saying like, God, gee, wouldn't it be cool if a guy's this good? But yeah, that would be that would be gnarly. That would be gnarly. Um, I would be actually like really stunned if he got the 25 points. I'd be like, that means that the whole world would be like crazy. If you think if you are willing, like if you think Scotty's going to 25 points, find somewhere to make that bet because like <laughs> people want to get on the other side of that action. Um, yeah, I'm I'm excited to see. Like, Scotty, how he works on the rest of his rookie contract, his extension after that. The team is built, not necessarily in his image, but they haven't drafted somebody who could supplant him as, like, the star of the future. And even if Pascal signs an extension, like, Pascal, at that point, you're hoping the end of his prime kind of dovetails with the start of Scotty's, like, unbelievable steps towards stardom or just being a full-out star. Um, the team is his and until further notice, the team is his. So, um, having any type of a meaningful big season, it, it means the world to, uh, what they're trying to do. Um, yeah, you can trust in Scotty based on his work ethic. I'm not doing the work ethic. Talk about Scotty. That's, that's been talked to death, man. I, and I know yeah. the commenter is just echoing like a, a positive sentiment for Scotty. And that's nice to see. Um, anything you want to say to the, the people before we get out of here? Uh, hey, I'm excited for the season, man. Hopefully it's a fun season. Well, it's going to be fun because basketball is fun. It's always fun to watch a little basketball. 
but I can't wait to, you know, write some more stuff, do some more podcasts. So really excited for the season, man. Second year of Raptors Republic, the label. <laughs> is, uh, is there any story or any, like, emerging trend on court that you think, like, hmm, that'd be interesting to write about. I kind of want to cover that. As far as the Raptors go? Yeah. Or, hell, if, you, if you're writing elsewhere, I mean, cool. If you want uh, anything uh, you want in the NBA. As far as the Raptors go, I would say I'm really interested to see how the bench works this year. I was thinking about doing a piece on the bench and just seeing, like, if it's like a bench mob 2.0 type of thing, like a lot of guys that are, like, looking for an opportunity on the bench and just, you know, that kind of vibe again. Well, that's, I mean, in the games, the starters have uh, had, like, a bit of trouble getting things off the ground. And then they bring in like their transitional units. It's not necessarily five guys off the bench like bench yeah. mob, but the the transitional units have been what makes this team tick, which mm-hmm. is very different from you know the last two seasons, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um as far as uh as far as like, I know people, yeah, Doug Smith. <laughs> That's funny. Um, it was kind of funny. Uh Lewis and I, after the Doug Smith uh Scotty work ethic stuff came out, um, Lewis and I wrote this big piece on kind of how opaque and difficult it is to like assign work ethic to a player and to like attribute like is the work happening based on what we're seeing on the court because a guy can work on a skill and you don't get to break that skill out on an NBA court until it's like 99th percentile between 99th and 100th and you could work to get it from like you could work for two years to get it from like 72 up to 98 and we're still not seeing it so is a guy working on it it's just it's tough especially publicly um, to do like the work ethic stuff. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's really tough. Um, we have a comment. Javon seems like a dog off the bench. I said this, I watched Javon kill the Raptors in summer league as part of the bulls summer league team. And then they signed him and I was like, that's good because he looked awesome. And then I saw a few more of his windy city bulls games. And I was like, man, this guy seems great. Um, I'm excited yeah, to see if he's, great. Yeah, I'm excited to see if he's able to bring anything uh, off the, you know, two-way. We'll see what happens. Um, yeah, Nesta says, uh, I've seen Ben Simmons rain threes in practice videos. That's right, man. Um, nothing yeah. is real until you see it in game, and then it's not real until you see it consistently. Like, that's that's just all we got to see. Um, <laughs> Javon or John oh, Morant, I can't tell the difference. Yeah. Um, Freeman is Freeman is great. I, I really – he's like uh, – he can shoot it. He has a great first step. He plays within the concepts, and um, he can finish at the rim through contact. It's mm-hmm. uh oh. If I get to ask questions post or pregame, please find out why we didn't give him some money or sign him, or why he was not picked up when Masai said he was part of the future. Um, did Masai say that about Jeff? He did last year during that little press conference at the end. He said, "Oh yeah, Jeff, Jeff and Delano, neither of whom are on the team." Yeah, <laughs> right. so I was confused. I was like. He was talking like he was like taking him under his wing and he's gonna be here forever. And then just like that is all right, Jeff. Thanks. Bye. Right, right. Um, yeah, I remember that actually. That was that was a long press conference with him. Um, I think what Masai would tell you is like Masai was just <sighs> Masai was just like talking. I don't know. The next time I talk to Masai, I'll ask him like. Hey, sometimes you're just talking, right? It's just it happens to be recorded, like, and everybody's hanging on every word. And obviously, he's going to be like, yeah. Because that's what it is sometimes is 
he obviously wanted to make the case that because that was after nurse got fired actually he wanted to make the case that like hey you know nurse got fired what was going wrong and he has to be like they weren't playing the young guys and they asked to think like well scotty was playing you know who wasn't playing that was young he's like Delano, jeff that's the future man and we weren't playing playing. Mm. but like i don't know they had only fired they fired nick like i don't know like 15 minutes before we showed up i think i was on the i was like on the bus to ovo center for something else and then i got the news that nick was fired like we were going there already so maybe he wasn't that prepped for it because he just fired Nick and then he came out and talked to us. Like it wasn't like, hey, we fired Nick, called the press conference. We were already going there. Although I can't I remember, remember exactly what it was. I being in the morning and it was like, yep, Nick's, Nick's out of here. Yeah. I remember being in class. I was like, oh, well, all right. Thoughts on Terry Stotts and Griff's split. Uh, Adrian Griffin has uh, the right to create like his own destiny as a coach. But if Adrian Griffin has um, controversy uh, in in Milwaukee consistently, <laughs> that's going to be like a really bad thing for the Nick Nurse coaching tree. Because Nate Bjorkren went to Indiana and then immediately started doing like weird, you know, <laughs> like don't wear do rags type stuff. Like don't do that. By the way, like a do rag is a hair care product, man. Like you can't tell people not to. It's not a. It's not a statement. It isn't like. Obviously, Nate was like, this is gang adjacent or something like, Nate, you're coaching these guys. You got to know, for one, about black people, please, God. Mm-hmm. Like, but anyway, um, Adrian obviously does. I just, yeah, if there's more drama for Adrian and there was drama for Nate and if there's drama for you know, Nick. Since they're never going to work. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Especially given that Nate is bald. <laughs> that's yeah that's great um best bald coach in the nba right now probably jordy fernandez uh handsome bald guy anyway we're just kind of like we're just chatting um i saw a question about uh who do i think is better bam at or pascal siakam i'm not biting on that um but i'm sure like trey would really bite on that that would be probably Even a fun conversation bite on that yeah but anything man anything um yeah, regardless. Uh that feels like a, a decent place to uh to leave it. How do you feel about that, Kai? Pretty good. Uh, strong ending. Okay. Sounds good. For anybody who enjoyed Kai, his thoughts, um, you can tune into a bunch of his writing. He writes for Raptors Republic very frequently. If you liked hearing him speak, he will be on uh, either the weekly podcast, pull-up trade podcast, or more of these throughout the season for those who enjoyed him. And those who didn't, screw you, man. Hey, we're not here for that. <laughs> um, it's really great that like 90 to 100 people can come hop on. I know it's only 10.15 in Vancouver, but hey, on the Eastern Coast, we're, we're well past the one o'clock right now. So thanks to everybody for, for hopping on and listening to us talk ball. Um, I, I enjoy the live streams. There's a lot of times where I'm like coming back to record the reaction podcast. And I just, I got to do like between 15 and 25 minutes and I'm sitting there. It's like 1am. I'm like, just talking to myself. I'm like, you know, damn it, man. Like this, this is a real drudge. (laughs) But then I hop out here. There's like a bunch of people watching. They're like, Hey, I got thoughts. I got opinions. There's more energy. Good vibes. Good vibes. It's, it's a lot easier to bounce off of. There's more energy, but now I have to go. It's 115. I got to go write a piece. 
Thankfully, there's no practice tomorrow. There's just hoops between me and my friends. I've got to go embarrass Trey. Hopefully, he doesn't listen to this. Kai, thank you so much for hopping on. Um, Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Uh, can we get Nakaias on this season? Yeah, Nakaias will come on. Sure. Um, probably for a heat game or something like that. Okay, I'm rambling at this point. Thank you to everybody. Um, if you'd like, go over to raptorsrepublic.com and subscribe. It's what keeps this website alive. And this website is responsible, I'm sure, for most people who are here. Um, whether you listen to William Liu, Blake Murphy, myself, Lewis, maybe it's Kai, maybe it's anybody. Um, Raptors Republic is responsible for a lot of the coverage, uh, be it uh, helping someone reach their goal or helping someone do it currently. Um, you know, the subscription model is what what makes everything tenable for us. So um, if you have the means to support, please do. And uh, at the very least, subscribe to the channel. We're chasing 10,000 subscribers or something like that. Oh, yeah, and like the video. Apparently that helps push it. Okay, Kai, my friend, thank you. Uh, listeners, thank you. As I say at the end of everything, you guys know ball. You're engaging. And you're very pleasant to, to speak to and listen to. So thank you to everybody. Okay. Whether you got into this in the morning or at night, have a blessed day and goodbye. Peace. We got a podcast.